open to the book of Job, chapter 12. But I wanted to begin by reading a passage out of Revelation, uh, chapter 21, and verse 3. It says, and I, and I heard a loud voice from heaven. So the, the voice was loud. You know, uh, turning up the volume. You guys know how it is. How many of you here like to listen to your music loud? Out of curiosity, I do too. Thank God my ears are still good, you know, but... That's when God says, I want everyone to hear this. It's a loud voice from heaven. It said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You know, this is a picture of heaven, you know, and I don't know what you guys visualize when you think of heaven. I, uh, I'm excited about it because I know uh, pizza will not be fattening. That's one of the things that excites me, chocolate. I mean, once you reach my age, it's crazy. Some of you guys enjoy it. You guys eat like crazy and nothing happens, man. But once you get older, you have to watch that. Metabolism slows down. But, you know, you think about heaven and uh, I, how many of you here, you know, maybe we're going to fly. I think of that. I think of just blinking and going from one place to another. I don't know how it's going to work. There's a lot of things about heaven that we're not sure of. But one thing we do know for sure is there is where God will be. We will live with God. Right now, we can't see him with these eyes. We can see him with these eyes, not these. We can't see God. But when we're in heaven, we're going to see God. We're going to see Jesus Christ, the one who was nailed to the cross for us. We're going to see him as that lamb that was slain. We will tabernacle with God. You know, that's what we read here in Revelation 21. And it says right here in verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I mean, when we're in heaven, you know, I mean, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more disasters, no more defeats, no more death, no more pain. You see, that's paradise. That's our home one day. We're just traveling through. This is a pit stop right here. We don't know how long our life will be. But one day we'll be home in heaven and there'll be no more of that craziness, that chaos, those calamities, those heartaches. You know, you think, uh, my life, why did my dad leave at such a young age? And you hate it when you hear stories like that. Or my brother's life, he never met his dad. I mean, what kind of world is this that we live in where dads abandon their children or, or kids get cancer? You know, that's the world that we live in, a world of pain and sickness and sorrow and suffering and death and and earthquakes and all the things that we see in this world. And and someone might look at those things and they just, you know, they they just just kind of throw up their hands and they say, well, why are we living? And, And here's the thing, you guys, this is not our home. This is just temporary. One day, however, we will be home. And Jesus Christ will rule. You see, and so for us, as we're going through this, please let that be an encouragement to you. Uh, You guys, I've always told you, you know, heaven's not just a destination, it's a motivation. 
You know, as you're going through things, I remember when I used to wrestle, man. You know, that was one of the toughest things I did in my life when I was to wrestle. And my coach, I think he was crazy because he would just make us do these exercises over and over and over again, you know. And, uh, uh, but I knew eventually um, it would end. And that's kind of how it is in life, you know. One of the things that I want to encourage you and never give up because remember, this is just temporary. Our life is like a vapor. We're living for eternity. But here's the thing. Even though we know this is not our home and you look at this world and you're like, man, it's crazy. I also want you to know this, and we're going to see that in our study in the book of Job, that even though there's pain, there's, there's purpose. You know, it's not random. As we go through things, we've got to know that even though God is not the author of evil, he allows it. And God will take all the things that you go through in life, all the calamities, all the tragedies, and he will turn them into victories. God will take those things that we would consider and identify and categorize as a stumbling stone, and he'll use it as a stepping stone. It's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of whether or not you will follow Jesus Christ. And he will transform us into victors. And we'll see that in all these things, Romans 8 says, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God saved you. God died for you on the cross. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were washed, you were free, you're forgiven. But now you're saved to serve. You know, God wants you to know him. Praise God for that. But now he wants you to make him known. Are you serving the Lord? Or are you caught up in your own life? I mean, that's why we're here. I mean, you know, we're here to be busy about our father's business. And that guy over there who's hurting and that guy over there who's homeless and that guy over there who's addicted to drugs, that one who's on porn, that marriage who's breaking up, those kids who have no one paying any attention to them, they all need Jesus. They need Jesus. You're like, well, I'll give them some money. Well, money's cool. Sometimes money helps. Sometimes that's what Jesus wants you to give them. But God wants us to be ambassadors and ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you guys to know that, you know, there's something about understanding that my life has a purpose. And it's not just to to buy a lot of stuff and make a lot of money and have a lot of fun and, you know, have sex and drugs and get high and all that kind of stuff. That's not what our life is all about. That's what the world will try to sell you. Our life is about serving Christ and telling others about Jesus. And sometimes the way that you do it, maybe it's at school, maybe it's at work, you're just shining. You're just shining and they look at you and they're like, man, what's different about you? Why do you got a big old smile on your face? Why are you happy? And then you can tell them about Jesus because you've been shining. Then you can start sharing. But it's all about that witness. I was talking to a lady today or yesterday actually and she was, when she was younger, she had a, an aspiration to be a model. And she actually uh, worked in the Twin Towers. She was there uh, as a side job. But, you know, her passion was uh, to be a model. And I guess, I don't know her. Now she's older now, but at the time, apparently, she was really beautiful. And she was really, uh, she was really just caught up in her own life, looking down on everyone else. There was one of the secretaries in the, in the, in the job, and, and she just thought she was nothing. She's nothing because she was so good-looking, and she had it all together, and she had this career ahead of her. And then uh, one day, the secretary got saved. And this lady, she saw the radical transformation 
in that secretary's life. And it was just so strong and so undeniable that she went to her and she said, what is it? Why, why are you so different? Why are you now, you know, not dressed with the high skirts? And why is it, you know, now you're, you know, happy? And, 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 and she, she shared with her, you know, it, Jesus Christ has saved my life. And it was so cool because the Lord then began to call her. And then one day she goes into work and she says, you know, I want what you have. And they both got on their knees right there and then. And they, uh, she led her in a prayer to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, that's what God wants to do in our life. Let me ask you a question. Are you different? Are you different? Are you radical? Do you shine for Christ? Can people look at your life and say, man, there is something about that guy. His love, his focus, his joy, his peace. I see him and, you know, he goes to church. I mean, who goes to church nowadays, you know? During the summer, a lot of people over there are going to the beach, you know? or they. I, I remember one time I took a Sunday off. Don't tell my wife. She's not here tonight, but no, she knew about it. <laughs> But, you know, I took my, my daughter to the mall. Everyone's at the mall on Sunday mornings. I'm like, man, you people should be in church. But you get that conviction, and then you're different. You're reading your Bible. There's something about you. Let us be different. Because it's a spiritual battle. We're going to see in the book of Job that, that I, I think, you know, a lot of Christians, even Christians, I mean, one, one of the things you guys are going to find in the world is that the devil... Uh, it is a battle for your soul. So, um, you know, the first battle is whether or not you're going to go to heaven or hell. That's the first battle. Where do you want to go? Do you want to be with God? That's up to you. You've got to choose. But it's got to be a genuine commitment. God's not a two-timer. You know, he doesn't want you to two-time. So battle number one, will you accept Christ as your Savior? Battle number two, will you serve him completely? Not one foot in and one foot out. Not a half-hearted Christian. There's a lot of Christians, unfortunately, that they don't win that battle because they're so worldly. No, God wants all of us. And I think Job is a good example of that. Notice what we read here in Job chapter 12. And I'm actually going to be reading from the New Living Translation tonight because I just want to throw you guys off. Actually, you know what? You guys know the Bible was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It wasn't written in English. And I, I studied the Bible for a long time. And to be honest with you, and I know some people are like, no, King James, Manny. No, this is one of those instances where the New Living Translation in all reality is a better translation. So I'm sorry. Some of you guys have phones. You could change it. The rest of you have Bibles. Bear with me. But Job chapter 12, it says, And then Job spoke again. And he says, you people really know everything, don't you? And and when you die, wisdom will die with you. Well, I know a few things myself, and you're no better than I am. Who doesn't know these things you've been saying? Now, of course, we just kind of jump right into the middle of the story. Most of you know it. Maybe some of you don't. But all of Job's kids died. All of them died. He lost all his wealth and he lost all his health. He was covered with boils from the top of his head to the tips of his toes. And so his friends came and they were supposed to offer him comfort, but instead they, they, they condemned him. 
they accused him. They were not doing their job. And so as we enter into this dialogue right here, we see that in the previous chapter, a friend of Job's, his name was Zophar, he called him to repent. He said, your problem is the reason you're suffering is because you need to repent. As a matter of fact, the rest of Job's friends were saying the same thing, that he was in sin. If you would, look back at chapter 11 and notice what it says in 11 verse 14. This is what Zophar said, get rid of your sins, leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. But that wasn't the case, huh? You know, a lot of times bad things happen to people and we look at them and we think it's probably because they did something bad. But it's not always like that. You know, Job here, um, you know, he says, I, I know you guys think you have all wisdom and, and some of the things you're saying is true. You know, as a general religious rule, the disobedient disciple does get disciplined by God. How many of you here are Christians? Just out of curiosity, you're Christians, okay. If you sin, God will give you a thrangaso. He will. He might do it verbally. He might say, hey, what's up, you know, and give you the look. Or he might, you know, do it, you know, some type of circumstances. And so, generally speaking, religious thing, God does that. God doesn't wink at sin. He doesn't say, oh, it's okay, no big, no big deal, you know. Job knew that. But, but it's not always that simple in life. It's not always when someone's going through a hard time that they're getting beat up or disciplined by God. Job's case was much different. It was way deeper behind the whole thing. There was a battle between the devil and, and Job. And so his friends, in saying that he was in sin, they lacked wisdom, they lacked depth, even though they were thoroughly convinced that they were right. I don't know if you've ever met someone like that. You know, someone who just thinks they're always right. You guys know anybody like that? Always right, right? <laughs> so, so Job, in dealing with them, he gets a little sarcastic. He goes, wisdom will die with you. They were so arrogant in their accusations. They were insensitive to the Holy Spirit. They didn't think that Job had a clue about what was really going on. But you know what? He really did. Look again at verse 3. If you would, he says, well, I know a few things myself and you're no better than I am. Who doesn't know these things you've been saying? Yet my friends laugh at me. We read in verse four, for I call on God and notice this, expect an answer. And I'm just a just and blameless man. Yet they laugh at me. Now, here's where the New King James does more accurately translate it. Not laugh, mock. They, they were mocking Job. Not necessarily like kids on a playground, but kind of like in the juvenile judgment of their own hearts. Their responses to him were like a mockery, right? And again, it's not that Job thought he was a perfect man. It's just that he knew he was an innocent man. He really was prior to all the, the tragedies that he experienced. And so, you know, as he's there, I don't know where you guys are tonight. Chances are uh, some of you here are hurting um, really bad. Uh, a lot of you here, maybe not. It's kind of a good, you know, season of life right now. Maybe, you know, you got, you know, I don't know, good food and, you know, you've got a good job and you're healthy and, you know, things are going good. But you know this, right? You know this, right, that you won't always have your health, that not, not all of your loved ones 
are going to live forever. You guys know this, right? that we will experience death and, and tough times, and sometimes people will come against you, and, and you know, you get depressed, you get down. We all go through stuff like that, right? You know those times will come, right? And so when we're there, we need to take these things to heart. And when you're there, here's the thing. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. You know, a lot of times we'll go to the phone. Oh, I need to call so-and-so. And that's cool, maybe, but first go to the throne. First go to God. And go to God expecting an answer. That's what Job did. He went to God expecting an answer from God. You know, Job was complaining, yes, he was complaining, but he was also calling. He was calling out to God. He was looking for the Lord. He was longing for the Lord, you know, and he actually thought that God would answer him. I don't know if you guys pray like that. Do you pray like that? Do you pray like thinking, believing God will hear you? God will answer you, Lord? Uh, You know, he doesn't always answer why, but he will answer Lord, why did this happen to my life? Why this calamity? Why this tragedy? I feel, Lord, like like I'm okay. If there's anything wrong with me, Lord, show me. When when you pray, do you expect God to answer you? I mean, in a church like this, we talk a lot about a personal relationship with God, but a lot of times people don't even really believe that. They pray and they think that God will never answer. They'll never hear something from God, but Job here is thinking that God's going to answer him. And he might not always say why. At the end of the day, you know, God didn't necessarily say why, you know, but God did give him the words that he needed to hear. And that's really all that matters. You know, his friends didn't think it was possible, and so they mocked God. They mocked Job for that. You you think God's going to answer you? Come on, give me a break. But we're going to see later in chapter 38 of the book of Job that God does actually come down and answer him. And if you believe, when you pray, when you talk to God, if you believe, he will answer you. Whatever you do, don't get caught up in a religion. I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, but there's really no connection between you and your creator. No, this is a personal relationship where you talk to him, he talks to you, he takes you by the hand, you walk through life together. So Job was thinking he was going to get an answer. How about you, man? Seriously, you guys, do you believe that you have that personal relationship with God as a Christian? Do you believe he hears you when, when you pray, that he, that he sees your sorrows, that he sympathizes with your suffering, that he hears with his ears? Do you know that he knows what you're going through, what your struggles are? Do you believe that he will answer when you call to him? I mean, I do pray that when we pray with that heart that we have that expectation because God does indeed answer prayer when we call. You know how you guys know how it is. I mean, this is a silly illustration, but I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw it out there. You call somebody and they don't answer you. Does that ever happen to you? You make a phone call and you get the the voicemail all the time when you call that person and you're like, "Man, don't you love me?" When you see him in person, man, how come you never answer my call? Oh, I'm just busy. Aren't you glad that God's not like that? 
You know, the Bible says in Psalm 86, verse 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call upon you for you will answer me. God will answer us. The psalmist knew that. We need to know that God not only will answer us, but man, he is eager to answer us. The Bible says in Isaiah 65, 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. I mean, that's amazing how, how God wants to answer our prayers. I love Jeremiah 33, verse 3. The Bible says, call to me. God says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The most effective thing you can do in your whole life is pray. And that's why a lot of us here don't. Because the devil has won that battle in your life. You are too busy to pray. You got to get some more sleep. <laughs> Again, not to you know throw some legalistic burden on you, but man, talk to God. Call to him. He will answer you. I mean, no matter what it is, you know, look, look again, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You know, a while back there, there was a situation in my life that it just seemed like these two people, they will never get along. And I gave up praying. I just, I just, I didn't do it consciously. I just did it subconsciously. And then the Lord just began, he reminded me, was it too hard for me? You mean to tell me that I can't move mountains, that I can't change hearts? Why don't you pray for that situation? And, and it was so cool. The Lord brought me back to that. Because he he, if we call to him, he will show us great and mighty things. Even the other day, we were praying as, a, as a, some guys, you know, just getting together for the church, praying for the people. And I, I, didn't, I didn't pray for a building. And then, you know, one of the other guys, he prayed and he said, Lord, and, and we'll pray for a building. Because we can't stop, we shouldn't stop asking for, for a building. Maybe God wants to do that, you know, and it's not too hard for him, right? I mean, sometimes we think that a situation is so impossible that we stop praying for whatever that is. And here, you know, the context is, is suffering. And, 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 you know, for us, even in those times where we think it's too hard, we've got to know that God will speak and he will comfort and he will carry us through these things. You know, Job's friends, unfortunately, they weren't uh, that friendly. As a matter of fact, Job 16.2 says they were miserable comforters. And so, um, you know, it only caused misery, which pretty much sums up the way he was feeling. Look at verse 5. It says uh, in verse 5, people who are at ease, they mock those in trouble. They give a push to people who are stumbling but robbers are, are left in peace, and those who provoke God live in safety, though God keeps them in his power. You know, oftentimes when people fall, and here's, here's something, you guys. When, when, when someone falls, you know, they just got to get kicked when they're down, right? I mean, they, it's a Christian, and, and he's supposed to know better, and he, and he messes up. 
so he gets mocked by others. I remember a while back, there was a brother in the church. He found a sexual sin, and one of the sisters came to him and just started beating on him. I mean, not physically, you know, but just, I'm like, man, you are not like my Lord. And I thank God that, you know, I mean, it was, just, I thank God that, that you know, they're, they're not here. Because that's not the, the type of Christians that we should be. You know, when there's a repentance, when there's a brokenness, when there's a surrender, we don't go up to someone and, and sock them in the face spiritually and, and beat them up like that. No. When the woman was caught in adultery in John chapter 8, did Jesus condemn her? No. And so, you know, that's unfortunately what they were doing. That's what he says there in verse 5. You know, they mess up. Let's go to them. Let's lift them up. You know, there's this Christian condemnation. We have a tendency, unfortunately, to shoot our wounded, and some even die because of that friendly fire. Not that we're soft on sin. Don't get me wrong, you guys. Sin is sin, and we need to call it for what it is. It'll take you to hell. It'll ruin your life. You'll get beat up by the Lord. But if someone is repentant and broken, whatever you do, don't be some self-righteous Pharisee that goes to them and kicks them when they're down. You know, let's be there to lift each other up. Now, in looking with Job, what happened with them is that they thought he messed up and they kicked him. And so that was a wrong diagnosis on their part. They said, you're in sin. You know, sometimes when someone's sick or suffering, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but there are some churches out there that say the reason you're sick and suffering is because you don't have enough faith. Okay, that's not the way it is all the time. And so be careful with that wrong diagnosis. Other times they're, they're right. Like I said, someone did fall into sin, but they're so unlike Christ that, they end up misrepresenting him. And so we need to be healthy Christians. We need to know how to minister to people. We need to know really what the Bible says. You guys know this, that, um, that we're all messed up? You guys know that? You're all knuckleheads, right? Except for the ladies, okay? <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be a softer, nicer word for the ladies, but we're all messed up, you know? And here's the thing. The, the more you grow as a Christian, the closer you get to God, the more you realize how far away you are. That's the bottom line. Let's just say I do get it all together and I don't get drunk anymore. I don't get high anymore. I don't throw F-bombs anymore. Praise God for that, you know. I mean, I do my best to keep my eyes pure. I'm not looking at girls. When I go to the mall, I'll tell you what, when I go to the mall, wherever it is, because, you know, the girls are going to be there, I always ask God, Lord, help me to see people the way you do. I always pray that prayer. Lord, help me to see people the way you do. I know you would never lust after a girl. But, you know, if I did get it all together, does that make me better than anybody else? Absolutely not. I always go back to Luke 18, and and it it says these two guys came to pray, and one of them was some self-righteous Pharisee, and he said, you know, thank you that I'm not like all those other sinners. But then the other guy, he was a tax collector. He couldn't even lift up his eyes and he just beat his breast and he said, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said that the one who prayed that way with humility, he went home justified. But the other guy, his prayers just bounced off the ceiling. They didn't even make it there. 
And sometimes I see people, none of you guys, so don't worry, I'm not talking about you, but I run into people still sometimes, and I just trip out on them. I'm like, what's up with you? What's your problem? When are you going to grow up and realize that you are not the Holy Spirit? You are not the Holy Spirit. You know, and they, they you know, well, you do, got to do things, you know, this way. And I'm like, man, remember Esau and Jacob? When Esau and Jacob, they went their separate ways. Jacob had wronged Esau. But years later, when they got back together and they ran into each other, Esau didn't even bring it up. He didn't even bring it up. He just said, you know what? <laughs> it's cool. God's blessed my life. God's blessed your life. Let's move forward. And I love it when people do stuff like that. You know, Job's friends, unfortunately, they were not good representatives of Christ. You know, Job was confused as a result of this. And, you know, what he really needed was truth to be spoken in love. But what we see is that because of that confusion and, again, going through hard times, people could have come into his life and made a difference. They really didn't. And so we read it. Look what he says in verse 6 again. He says, but robbers are left in peace. And those who provoke God live in safety, though God keeps them in his power. What's he saying there? Basically, what he's saying is that it seems like a lot of criminals and crooks, they're comfortable. You know, and I don't know the whole story, but even the founder, Ray Kroc, and how he did with McDonald's, and I heard he did wrong, you know. But, you know, look at his life, and he's all blessed. And you're like, man, I don't get it. All these rich guys doing these wrong things. Well, one day they'll stand before God. There's an emptiness in their heart that they can't fill apart from God. Money will never fill it. You know, we look at these people and we think that it's all good for them. You know, that sinners are safe. Yeah, for a season. It reminds me of Psalm 73. That was what Asaph thought. But one day they're going to die. And one day they're going to stand before God. So don't worry about that. Don't trip out on other people. Don't look at them. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. You know, the the New King James tells us that God provides for these robbers and rebellious provokers with his own hand. And so you look at that and you're like, man, it doesn't seem like it's fair. Now, we might interpret that as special grace given to them, but it's not. It's actually common grace. And the truth is that God takes care of all the people on planet Earth. Matthew 5.45, Jesus said he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But Job knows, he's convinced that everyone knows God is on the throne, even through the trials. And so look at verse 7. Look what he says. He says, Just ask the animals, and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Speak to the earth, and it will instruct you. Let the fish in the sea speak to you, for they all know that my disaster has come from the hand of the Lord. For the life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every human being. And so now, again, when you're going through hard times, you're going to struggle. You know, you might even wonder, Lord, where are you? Lord, it doesn't seem fair. Or you might, you know, say, God, why did you do that to me? Why did you do that to me? That's kind of what Job is going through right now. You know, Job is kind of giving us this doctrinal truth that that God does 
you know, have his hand on everything, that God is sovereign, right? That God is in control, um, that he gives breath to everyone. He says all the animals knows it, that the earth knows it, right? Um, And Job, however, then makes his blanket statement regarding God's sovereignty and that in his plan, what he does, Job then takes it to an unhealthy extremity. Job says in verse 9 that disaster is directly from the hands of the Lord. And that's not the full story. So here's the thing, because we're running out of time. Um, If something bad happens to you in your life, you know, don't think that it's because God is against you and that, you know, God is is authoring this and God is the the root of, of evil. There are some people out there, they teach that God is the yin and the yang, that God is both bad and good, that God is dark and light. And that's not true. You know, we sometimes blame God for the bad, but here's a couple of things real quick. We need to know that there wouldn't even be a bad were it not for our sin. You see, our sin has brought suffering to society and our disobedience has brought death through the fall of man back in Genesis chapter 3. So first of all, we have ourselves to blame for sin and suffering and all these things in society. Secondly, a brief look behind the scene of Job's situation reveals the fact that the devil was the one who actually did the disaster. It wasn't God. It was the devil, right? He was the one behind it all. Yes, God allowed it, but he didn't author it. And there is a difference in that. You know, the enemy would love to deceive us into thinking that God is good and bad. But James 1, 16 and 17 tells us, Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And so, you know, guys, remember the the little saying, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Never forget that. You're like, but Manny, what about this? You know, and I know, man, one of the toughest things that can happen in life is maybe the loss of a child or, you know, just different things. You know, the divorce. I was talking to someone the other day that's just devastated by the fact that their parents got a divorce. And, 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 you know, you're like, well, how could God do that? God didn't do it. You know, it's our sin. The devil's behind this. We live in a world that lies under the sway of the wicked one. God did, however, allow it. And here's the thing. If he allowed it, then we got to know that eventually God will work it out for good. And Job is a perfect example of that, huh? Because because behind all this whole thing, the drama that we're going through, you know, even though it's crazy, they're on this, this, they're on this journey uh, at the end of the book of Job to see the glory of God. And here's the thing, you guys, in your life, okay, in your life, you got to make it personal now. You can't go to church tonight and say, yeah, I heard, I heard about that guy, uh, uh, Job. I remember when I first read this, I was just a barely, barely a Christian, baby Christian. I used to call him Job because it's J-O-B, right? Hey, that guy Job. No, his name is Job. <laughs> I read about Job and yeah, and all the things that he's going through. But now I want you to make it personal for you. For you, God used Job. Now God wants to use you. 
Now, we're all going to go through different degrees of suffering, sickness, and disaster, calamities. We're all going to go through that to, to different extents. But everything, I'm telling you this, everything the devil throws your way, you can hit it out of the park. Everything. Like I told you earlier, everything, everything, every stumbling stone can be turned into a stepping stone. And the things that you've gone through, maybe you were all messed up, man. God can use that because now you're going to meet someone else who's all messed up and they did the same, you know, foolish things that you did. And then they're going to look at your life and they're going to say, wow, if God can do that in your life, then he can do it in my life. And then you're going to realize that there's hope for us all. Now, real quick, let's finish up this chapter here. He says uh, in verse 11, the ear tests the words it hears just as the mouth distinguishes between foods. And so today I was having uh, some food. I told you it was good, but when I was eating it, uh, there was a piece of fat. I was, I was eating it. And you know how sometimes the meat has fat? Okay, now if it's a soft fat, I usually eat it. But if it's a rubbery fat, I don't, man. And so you're chewing, right? And then you got the rubbery fat in there. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to, even though this doesn't look good, I'm going to take it out, right? And so, you know, and sometimes, you, you know, you, maybe you, you taste something and it just tastes weird. And you know how your mouth will just spit it out. Well, just, is this like your mouth does that? Your ear does that. These guys were telling him dumb things, dumb things. He says, I'm not going to listen to that, right? He says, the ear tests the words, the mouth tests the foods. Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old, generally speaking. But true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. And here's the thing, and we're going to try to go through this real quick. When, when we understand God is wise and God has a plan, Job now then takes it to the extremity and says, and that's why he's got a heavy hand. And there's nobody who can change anything. He says, in verse 14, what he destroys cannot be rebuilt. And when he puts someone in prison, there's no escape. If he holds back the rain, the earth becomes a desert. If he releases the waters, they flood the earth. I mean, he's just saying God puts people in prison, nothing you can do about it. God holds back the rain, nothing you can do about it. God makes it flood, nothing you can do about it. He leads counselors. I mean, verse 16, yes, strength and wisdom are his deceivers and deceived are both in his power. He leads counselors away, stripped of good judgment, Wise judges become fools. Now, again, this is Job just sharing his heart. He's having a hard time with what God is doing. In verse 18, he removes the royal robe of kings. They are led away with ropes around their waist. He leads priests away, stripped of status. He overthrows those with long years and power. Notice this, because this is how you're going to know he's wrong. In verse 20, he silences the trusted advisor and removes the insight of the elders. You know, Job is, is just saying, it just seems like God is, is doing these things that I just don't understand. He's struggling with the Lord. And, you know, sometimes when we feel that way, he knows how we feel. Just pour out your heart. He pours disgrace upon princes and disarms the strong. He uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings light to the deepest gloom. 
He builds up nations and he destroys them. He doesn't destroy them. God doesn't destroy them. We destroy ourselves. You see, sometimes we see God will judge a nation, but it's only if they destroy themselves and turn away from God. He expands the nations and he abandons them. That doesn't sound like God. He strips kings of understanding and leaves them wandering in a pathless wasteland. They grope in the darkness without a light and he makes them stagger like drunkards. Beware, you guys, in closing, beware of, a, of an unbiblical view of God. You know, there's a few things that, you know, the world will try to sell you. Number one, God is mean, uncaring, and unloving. And they'll say that explains Job, that God is mean, uncaring, and unloving. And that's not true because God died for us on the cross. You know, number two, that God is all loving, but he's not all powerful. That explains Job. First, he won't help Job because he doesn't care. Secondly, he can't help Job. Not powerful enough. There are lies out there like that. Thirdly, the health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine teaches that the reason why Job was suffering is because he was in sin and didn't have faith. God won't help Job. And then the final one is this. And there are some people out there that believe, did you guys know this? It's called deism. And they believe that God kind of wound up the earth and he kind of wound it up like a clock and he put it over there in, in the universe and then he walked away and he's not involved anymore. You guys know there are some people like that, that believe that, deism? And that's the farthest thing from the truth. Did you guys know this? That God knows how many hairs you have on your head. Now, with Abel, it's not as hard, but, you know, with different people. (laughs) He knows our thoughts. He knows our tears. He knows when we get up, when we get down. And he knows what's going on in your life tonight. He died for you on a cross. And so, you guys, as we go through this, Job is is a tough book for me. But at the end of the day, here's just the way it is, man. That, That if you don't know the Lord, if you're not living for Christ, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're like, I'll do it tomorrow, Manny. You may not be alive tomorrow. What are you waiting for? Live your life for Christ. Make a decision to follow him. And if you are a Christian, I want to encourage you to come all in. Don't live your life for yourself because you were bought at a price. You know, you're like, well, I want to enjoy the world. You know, I want to have a good time. And, you know, God, he's able to give us that. When we fulfill our destiny, you will find most satisfaction, the most satisfaction in serving the Lord. And so I pray that we would have that heart tonight.